Welcome to Unpacking Bexley, where we're committed to digging deep and uncovering the many layers of this unique and dynamic city. Hey, this is Larry Diatley Ellison, and I'm here with one of my co-hosts, Spencer Cahoon. And today on our brand new podcast, we're going to talk about One Bexley. Super exciting project. I'm really psyched to be having this discussion. Yeah, I think it's really needed in this community, and I think that they have some lofty goals. Absolutely. So what, uh, tell me a little bit about what uh, your experience has been with it so far. So with One Bexley, what's happened is we've had this unprecedented collaboration between the city, the school system, and the library to come together and try to seek feedback from the community to create this multifaceted program, in their words, that's described to deliberately and comprehensively bolster a community culture that ensures Bexley is welcoming and provides a sense of belonging for all community members and visitors. Bit of a mouthful. But there's a lot of ideas in there, a lot of ideas to unpack, you might say. So that's what we're going to do today. So let's talk about the timeline for a minute. This has only just started, so this is really a new initiative. This uh, just got together in April of this year, and there was a first meeting with various community leaders. There was about 50 or 60 folks there, city council, mayor, uh, superintendent, various folk from the schools, the libraries, and just people who are engaged in the community. And it was kind of a small group, facilitated question-answer about how we can address different things in the city, with the city's team collecting responses for that and then boiling it all down to get to the essence of what people were saying and what some of those ideas that might turn into actionables are. So that was an exciting process. And there was a lot of energy in that room because there were just a lot of people who were already engaged with the city talking about what they see in the future. And then we moved to stage two, which was the beginning of the public workshop process, which is where we are now. And so far there's been one public workshop it was a little bit more lecture-focused. There was still some community discussion, but it wasn't the, the long, engaged, facilitated small groups of the first leadership discussion. And they also presented back to us about what that boil down was. And they have just a ton of ideas. So none of these have been translated into anything yet. But these are things that could be. And they put them in different categories. One category was interaction opportunities. They talked about various house gatherings, block parties, community roundtables, coffee talks various ways of connecting communities, both citywide and specific area service projects, communication and transparency. We talked about podcasts, for example. Uh, also websites, signage, street banners, PSAs, updates weekly, information at various city events, like different ways to connect with people who might only see certain aspects of the community because we're all very busy. At least I'm busy. Larry, how about you? Super busy. I'm here working on a podcast with you, for example. I know. Whew, man. So with that, they also have learning platforms, training for leaders, students, coaches, all kinds of stuff, history lessons for Bexley, land banks, time banks, people banks, all kinds of interesting ideas, youth ideas, sustainability ideas, equity ideas. So ideas in a lot of different categories for things we could do to help make the community more welcoming and belonging and address the history of discrimination and racism that brought Bexley to where it is today. And I'm not saying that happened a day ago or a week ago or a year ago or 50 years ago. It has had different faces at different times, but it's something that's ongoing. Why don't we talk a little bit about sort of the history that's brought us to this point, like why the city and the schools and the libraries are talking about this in the first place. Larry, I know you've been really active working with the schools. So what are some of the issues that have been happening with the schools recently that 
might have prompted this kind of collaboration? Yeah, so Spencer, you might remember back, I believe it was in February of this year, we had the incident with middle school announcements where mm. there was a racist image displayed on the background in the pre-recorded morning announcements, which really caused some harm for our black students, our black community members, our black teachers. I think that incident that really spoke to the community, and I say spoke to the community, perhaps I should say captured the community's attention. It did, absolutely. And I think that one of the actions that came out of that was the formation of a brand new community group called Eliminating Racism in Bexley Schools that was put together by concerned parents. And disclaimer, I am one of those members. I feel like I should have to disclaim that here. I don't think you have to disclaim parenthood, <laughs> oh, hopefully. Well, Otherwise, yeah. I have to disclaim as well. I have two <laughs> children. So. Yes. So that was a group of folks that came together concerned about the things that were going on in the school. And during our discussions and our community meetings, we've heard a number of other stories of racist incidents that happen, it feels like almost daily, with microaggressions or name-calling or issues like that. I know that there have been a couple of times, although maybe not related to the school because the origin isn't known, but the school being tagged with the N-word. I think on more than one occasion this year. So the racism around the school issue is definitely there. And I, I know that this is one catalyst for that. And you say tagged, just for anyone who's not familiar with the terminology, you mean spray painted on the school facilities? Correct. Yes. Gotcha. And if we dig a little bit further back, I mean, I remember COVID, pre-COVID, there was the George Floyd Brotherhood bullying incident online with racist, sexist, and homophobic slurs, kids bringing other kids in specifically to bully them. And then there was a later incident, uh, more of a sexist incident with boys ranking girls' attractiveness that caught a lot of attention. It seems like we keep having these issues. And my oldest child is in first grade, so I haven't been in the, the Bexley school system for a long time. But nonetheless, we keep hearing about these issues because they're, they're difficult. They're difficult to address. And you said there are folks around the community organizing to try to figure out uh, new answers to that, right? Yeah, and, and in some ways, the school district is doing the right things and better communication, although there are still gaps in that communication that we're sure. trying to work to address. I just earlier this week participated in the interview process for the new DEI position in the school because uh, it's important to have input as a community member on who that person is going to be in the district. And kudos to the school district for involving community members in that process. And there were a number of people there from the community that I, I know about that are interested in making sure that the schools are safe. And so again, mm -hmm. the right direction and valued input from the community, but we can still do better. And I'm really hopeful that One Bexley is one of those vehicles that, are, that will allow us to get to a better day. Yeah. And I think it's going to take a lot of different approaches, right? The kind of broad issues that are being talked about here, there's not one if X, then Y solution here. It's going to be a lot of different things. Different people are spoke to through different means. Uh, and it, it's going to be a process. It's not necessarily an easy thing to change or fix. And it's going to take time. We didn't get here overnight and we're not going to leave overnight. Yeah, that's what I'm really hopeful for that the city and the school district and it, in partnership with the library, they've really recognized that this is a community-wide issue that's going to require community-wide solution and not just a solution, but multiple solutions. It's really coming together as an entire community. And, and so having that acknowledgement by the city, I think, is really important. Also, 
I think it's going to be a valuable asset for community groups to plug into so they can continue mm. to do the work that they're doing because one Bexley isn't going to replace all the work that community groups are doing. But sure. I think it'll be an opportunity for community groups to plug into that, continue to do their work, but also help drive this one concept of one Bexley and hopefully synergize all the work that they're doing with other community groups and with the city and with the school district and with the library. I love it. It's a beautiful vision, helping everybody do what they're doing, but do it more, do it better and bringing the community together as a result. So quick history on the city, just so we have that part. We were talking about the schools, but this is the schools, the cities and library working together. So the cities had various issues over time. The city used to have a diversity and inclusion city board, much like we have a civil service board or the tree commission, lots of other organizations that are built within the city to arrange different parts. There used to be a diversity and inclusion board like the others. And they did a, a fair amount of work about putting together information for new residents to help make people feel more welcome in that way. That group made a turn just preceding George Floyd, where they were getting into police reform. And at the time, uh, the city was very hostile to that. The BPD under the prior chief basically just came out and told them to stop. They weren't interested in their feedback on that. Mayor gave them kind of the same feedback and then disbanded the group. And then the George Floyd incident took place. And the mayor made some announcements about how, well, that group was just disbanded so they could do more grassroots work instead of doing it officially through the city. And that was a bit of a surprise to that group who'd never been told that by the mayor when they were disbanded. But that group has been doing grassroots work, and a number of those folks have come together as Bexley DEI and as part of other organizations uh, to get stuff together in the community, which is great. And there have been ongoing community concerns with things happening in Bexley. Traditionally, the lens I see that through is policing, just because that's where I hear the most. And that's a significant part of our city services that engages with people at different points. There's been various BIPOC families sharing their stories about interactions with police, and that ranges from anything where people are just stopped outside their homes in their driveways and asked where they live, if they belong here, and to the other extreme end of the spectrum where I can think of one incident where there was a BIPOC child, another incident of BIPOC adults were stopped and both held at gunpoint for nonviolent legal behavior. One of them directly after that left the city and hasn't returned. They put their home on the market. They moved out because it was extremely traumatizing. They didn't feel safe. So we have a whole range of behaviors that have impacted uh, our community in different ways. And we, we have some real wounds there that we need to heal. And the city has taken some steps. Larry, as you already mentioned, there was a diversity, equity, and inclusion strategy that the city adopted a couple years back. The new police chief hiring has really changed the culture at the Bexley Police Department and opened up a lot more introspection and community engagement. The mayor's been changing things with mayor's court in terms of fines and people who interact with traffic tickets and how that looks. And then here we are today with the One Bexley Project, which is right now sort of a catch-all preceding the upcoming strategic plan. And we're going to see where that takes us. And maybe just a quick hit on the library, because the library is part of that project as well. I think compared to the schools or the city, we don't really have the same history of racist incidents at the library, or at least I'm not familiar with it. Certainly people outside the library and around the library coming to and fro have had their own incidents. But at the library, I remember back when I first encountered Bexley as a younger person, it wasn't part of the Columbus system. They didn't like to work with any of the surrounding communities. It was very closed. Yes, anyone could come in, but you had to go through their whole process to become a member of the library here. They didn't make it easy. And there really wasn't any sort of programming, to, so to speak, or community events taking place at the library. But now the library looks radically different than when I first encountered it. I mean, Larry, what's your experience with the library been like? 
my experience with the library has been really positive so far and really through the lens of LGBTQ issues in terms mm -hmm. of them being a, a location and a host for our first, what I affectionately referred to as our mini pride back in 2021. Uh, so we were able to work with the library and put our rainbow crosswalk, the first one in the city, I remember. Uh, in 2021, right in between the library and the library parking lot and have always been supported by that and see that visually in their book displays and the brochures that come out from the library. So they are very good with inclusion and with diversity. And I think that that is a testament to... A testament to how far we've come from where we used to be. <laughs> yes. The library has pioneered a lot of things I never thought of that a library could do, like book delivery during COVID times, which is still around if you need delivery. Uh, also, the Wi-Fi hotspot checkouts for people who maybe don't have good internet access or maybe don't have any internet access at home to make sure kids could stay engaged with schools. There's just a lot of very creative things that I wouldn't normally have thought of as library space that the library has come up with. And there's a lot more space for that potentially in the future. So really excited to see um, where that part of it goes. To help us better see exactly where that part of it goes, we had the opportunity to speak with Ben Heckman, director of the Bexley Public Library. Hi, Ben. Hi, Spencer. Thanks for having me here today. I appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for taking the time. This is a, a super interesting community project we're starting, the One Bexley Project, and the library is one of the, the named co-sponsors along with the city and the schools in this. And there have already been a couple meetings just to start the project off, and there have been ideas bandied about and a lot of small group discussions. What are some of the ideas that have been brainstormed or that you've been participating with and have identified that seem really exciting to you about this project? Yeah, I think uh, a couple things stand out is uh, the approach that we're trying to take with this project, I think, is different than what we have done in the past. And when I say that, I mean like individually as institutions, but then as a whole community. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited, uh, and maybe excitement's not the right word, but hopeful that the approach we're taking is different. And then I just think that there's an incredible opportunity, uh, given our size, I think the people involved, uh, the community members, I think that we have an really unique opportunity to have this be something that could be a template that we uh, implement here and get people on board, hopefully, and then we're able to share out to other communities that are trying to make headway in this space. So just to describe a little bit of, I think the main idea is to create some type of platform that is accessible and can get used by everybody. Mm -hmm. So if it's a educational platform, uh, so that you could feel empowered to host friends or neighbors in your backyard and have a conversation. So it's accessible for individuals to build and bring their unique perspective and energies to it. Um, and then as, say, the library, we can use these educational underpinnings to inform the programs that we present. So I think this project and some of the things that we want to try to tackle is so big and vast that we're going to need each person to bring their own unique perspective to it and how they can implement it into their lives. So part of that approach is going to the community and saying, what tools do you need? You know, where maybe you bring in an expert before to tell us kind of what to do. I think we are trying to say, what do, what do the individuals need? What do the community members of Bexley need to 
you know, make a small change in their life that can have a big impact and then bring those tools through an expert that is in this space and can work with us. And then I think as the institutions, we can support some of that work as well as do some of the work uh, on our own. Yeah. Now, compared to a lot of the programming the library has, and let me just take a minute and say the library, you guys do an amazing job with programming. You guys have stuff all across the spectrum. You do a great job advertising that to the community. I've been truly impressed with the work the library's done uh, since I joined the community a number of years back. I appreciate that. We have a we have a, a dedicated staff who work really hard to 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 bring that to the community, and I think it's one of the key roles of what a public library should be doing for the community. So thank you. And you guys absolutely do it. It shows through. Um, kudos to to the library. This is a little bit different, like you said. This is getting people resources that they'll take back to have their own conversations and do their own work, maybe outside of the library premises. How do you see the library being keyed into that compared to how we normally do things with various one-off programs or short series and lending materials? Where does this fit in? Yeah, so that's a great question. So I think um, part of what I'm hoping will come from this is that some of the programs that we have done in the past, that we will continue to provide programmings like that, but now do it with much more coordination with the other parts of our community. One thing that I think I would love to see is on any topic, if the school is having an assembly, then the parents can have that same information that night or the next night at the library. Oh, okay. Uh, I can only imagine be like, hey, what'd you learn at school today? Oh, nothing. We had an assembly. <laughs> and so there's not that conversation that maybe could go on when the, the parents are equipped with, hey, I heard you heard this yesterday at school at your assembly. And so I think that's something that we can be more cohesive with the schools and some of the things that we're they're working on. We can kind of be that educational piece and present that information to the adults or other committed community members who maybe don't have kids in the school. So I think along, you know, doing our normal programming, but now doing it in conjunction with some of the other entities. I also think that there's some, I'm going to say innovative and forward thinking things that the city is doing, that the schools are doing, that if we could be a place that people can learn about those things going Mm -hmm. on so that they can understand, you know, how things are working and steps that are being taken here in our community to, to improve a whole host of situations for people. I think that's a great way to kind of learn. And then there's been some conversation to bring some expertise to the One Bexley Project. And there may be some costs associated with that. And so we're still brainstorming what that support might look like and the time commitment and so forth. So the library may be also kind of contributing to kind of bringing that expertise in and having it be part of the project. Gotcha. That sounds great. And I I know a lot of community members often desire more communication from different institutions. And what I hear you saying really is that the library can be a place to amplify the communication coming Mm -hmm. from these other areas and make it accessible to larger groups that maybe might be left out with the current existing communication. So I think that's great. Like That's obviously something people are interested in. So what do you imagine the timeline for this project might be? There are there are a lot of big ideas here, and of course, it's still coalescing, so it may be a little bit hard to say, but just based on where we are right now, how do you imagine this unfolding, time-wise? So I think we've had some conversations about trying to keep this in everyone's mind during the summer, so some programs that would make sense in this space 
making people aware of that again, back to kind of sharing that communication out to everybody. And I think then over the summer, we're going to be, again, taking a look at some expertise and how can we bring that in in the right way to this uh, project. You know, the the couple meetings that have gone on so far have have been very much, we want your input, we want your feedback, here's, here's the approach we're taking. Uh, there's been some conversation we may need, you know, a couple of those in the fall. May is a difficult month to have a meeting where you're sharing this out where people can come. And so we've gotten some feedback that they couldn't make it and they wanted to. So I think it's, again, it's it's about the communication. It's about getting that word out to the folks who maybe aren't as plugged in as others. And so I think that's something that we are going to work on this summer is, you know, how to unroll it. We have discussed, I think, that this is going to be somewhat of an organic process. When an, a need is identified, we're going to try to address that need. And if we can move forward with that and address another need and provide the other resources for that need, this is something that when you say timeline, I was like, oh, I don't know if there'll be an end date. <laughs> so, you know, this is something that I think we're going to have to continue to work on all the time. And, and we're interested in having it be at the end of the day, it's like, how can we just be better humans for the people in our lives? The people mm -hmm. that we interact hardly ever that we just see in our day-to-day -day lives and also people who are in our lives, our family and our friends. What do what can we do to help that better understanding? What can we do to have people just be a little more kind, a little more understanding? And so I think that could be many, many millennium as <laughs> we work together in good spirit with all of that. So, I, so there you go. There's my prediction for how long this might take. And so I think we're hoping to have some more concrete answers come the fall sure. for some of the next steps. And I think that's fair because it sounds like what we're really talking about here is influencing culture and building up a, a kind of culture that's supportive that we're looking for in the community. And culture is something living, like language, like many other things in community. And, you know, you don't do something and declare victory. Culture right. is ongoing. So I think you're right. It, it probably will take a long time and it'd be an ongoing process, more of a sea change rather than a one and done. Right. And I think, too, just to piggyback on that, Please. you know, how do you get it to all parts of the people in the culture or the community? Um, and of course, I think it's important too. like, we're not just talking about Bexley, you know, Bexley is a, is a, is a community on the east side, we, the very vibrant east side community. And so having these conversations, how, how can we even be partnering outside of the, the city limits? And so I think it's important as you say, culturally, you know, I think it's important for the One Bexley project to kind of be omnipresent at all the community gatherings, at all the uh, functions. And it's just something you're seeing all the time. You're hearing about it regularly. Whether you totally understand what it is or what the goals are, you recognize that it's a thing that is ongoing. I mean, I think just getting the word out could take months or years, right, to, to just be visible and all the things that we do. And so I think that is something that, you know, as we try to engage and go down this road, like you said, shared communication between all the groups that are on board so that you're hearing it from a couple different places. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you're seeing it, there's a table at the event. I know the Jazz in the Park food truck fest that just happened on Sunday, they made a, a statement about One Bexley and what its purpose is. And, we're, you know, our plan is to have that at all of the community events so that we can get the word out about what it is. 
And so I think that's going to be something that we need to be doing. And again, that's going to take a lot of different people from a lot of different, you know, parts of our community to have that be such a presence at any and all events that we're wherever we get together to gather. Yeah. So let me ask you a tough question. Feel free to answer as you see fit. If you don't have a clear answer, sure. that's okay. We're at the beginning of the process. For this process, it's going to take a long time and be ongoing. How do you think we should be tracking success or the impact we have? Because it's often difficult to quantify culture. Yeah, I think that is a very difficult question. I guess, and I would also say that the goals or the success may also change as you mm. travel the journey. I think sure. um, for me right now, I would say engagement. If we can get engagement, I would say I'll take healthy skepticism, people asking questions, <laughs> trying to understand it. I would sure. say people who are like, yeah, I know what's going on and I'm buying in and I want to be a part of this. I think that if we can get people talking about it, that would be a really big positive point of success for right now. You know, getting down the, the road more, I'd say success can be could look like a lot of different things. Mm. Now, engagement in and of itself is a, a word that can mean a lot of different things. So <laughs> I, maybe I'm comfortable using that word. And and again, hopefully open that up to, you know, it's important that we're trying to meet people where they're at. And so they're mm -hmm. going to have to bring that idea of engagement. I'm very, very busy. Yeah. Here's the Here's what I can contribute to. Here's what I can do in my personal life. I want to be able to have resources for that person. If we are hearing from our community members that they're feeling more connected, I would say that is another positive sign of success. I think it's sure. one of those things where there's a lot of different ways to take this journey of being kinder to our uh, brothers and sisters on the planet. So this, again, these goals and targets are, I think are going to continue to move for, what did I say? A couple millennia. So. Right. <laughs> And you'll be serving for a director that whole time, right? Uh, of of course, until they ride yeah. me out of here, you know? I want steady leadership at the helm during this. <laughs> All right, well, just to wrap us up, is there anything else you'd like to share about the project that you think might interest the community or be, would be valuable for people to hear at this stage? You know it's going to be hard work. You know there's going to be some conversations that are are challenging and difficult, but I'm just very hopeful and feeling quite positive you know, the library has an opportunity to do some really uh, innovative things and share that with other libraries. And I think Bexley, on a lot of fronts, can be a community that does difficult things because they're the right things to do and then drop a playbook and share that out. So I'm I'm very excited and hopeful, you know, on that front. I think that's a, a, a unique, different approach than what I've seen and what we have done. So I look forward to to doing that. Well, that sounds great. I think to build a better community, a better society, we have to be willing to try new things. Mm -hmm. And this is one of those new things. And it could be amazing, or we could end up adjusting it and pivoting a little right. bit down the road based on what we discover in the community. But you have to be willing to take risks if you yep. uh, expect there to be gains. And I love that the library is in the space where you're willing to do that. I think a lot of people traditionally think of libraries as very conservative institutions, just used to doing sort of the same kind of things they used to do. The library here is not that. If you have not been to the Bexley Public Library recently, I strongly recommend you come in, see what's going on, or look on the website. They've got a fantastic website. 
Well, Ben, thank you so much for joining us. And to be clear, this is Ben Heckman, the director of the library. There is another well-known ben. ben in the community. Library Ben. All right, Library Ben. Just right. so no one confuses you. Right. All right, and we will be seeing you soon in the 4th of July. Will you be in your traditional garb? Um, I will not be there, but I think uh, Dr. Franklin will be there. Okay, in your yes. stead. Doc, yes, Dr. Franklin will be there representing me in spirit. Thank you for taking the time, Ben, today. Thank you so much. I appreciate being uh, here with you this afternoon. And, uh, you know, we're happy to have everybody get involved in the One Bexley Project. So let's talk a little bit more about the One Bexley Initiative itself. We already mentioned a number of the things that came out of those leadership discussions. And those are all places where it could go. So, Larry, you've been engaged with this as well. Tell me, who do you see as kind of in charge and running the show? Or what's your understanding of how that's going to look with One Bexley? That is a really good question, Spencer, and I don't know <laughs> if I have a really good answer for that. My guess is the official line is going to be that there isn't maybe necessarily one area leading. I don't I, know. Yeah, you're probably right about that. I have mixed feelings about it just because it, it should definitely be a, a city-led thing, but it really, at its core, needs to be community-led because, it's, again, it's the community that is where the change is going to have to come from. And so I mm -hmm. think if if the community can be that active lead in this process, guided by the city, by the library, by the school district, mm -hmm. then the chances of success will be greater. Absolutely. And I think that is both the strength of the initiative as it's set up now um, and the challenge. Because recognizing that need for broad community participation is great. And if you're trying to change culture, which is what this really is, then you need a lot of people engaged. But engaging a lot of people is tricky. People are busy. They have limited time. They have limited resources. I have two young children, um, one who's preschool age, one who is just in the elementary. That takes a fair amount of my time, as any parent listening will understand. So we just have a lot of pulls on our time, not to mention work and family and like all the other things that come along there traditionally as well. So Larry, you, you've heard them talk a bit about this and about how they plan to get it out. How do you think they're going to be able to really get that broad community buy-in? Or what do you see as maybe a couple of the good strategies for making that happen? I'm just asking you easy questions here, to be clear. Yes, that's that's a good question, Spencer. I, I and I think that's that's the question, right? I think that as they continue to do the workshops, that really is the thing that needs to be solved for because the bottom line is with the community, the community in Bexley is majority white. Mm -hmm. And most of the issues that we are talking about don't impact them. So when you have issues that don't impact you, or your family, what's the incentive to get involved? And that's the thing that we have to answer because it does, in my viewpoint, it does impact every community member in the city. All of these issues do because you never know what's going to happen within the city that could ultimately come back into your family, into your child at the school. If I can just riff on yes. that for a second. I think there is that perception, like you described, that for a lot of people, well, I'm a white family, I'm a white, you know, cisgender Christian family who is in the majority, and maybe these issues don't seem as immediate to me. That being said, like, if you look at what diversity in general adds to the picture, if you look at decision making, if you look at education, 
when you have more diverse people at the table, they find that you make more robust decisions, partly because you're considering a broader swath of the community and you're considering people who come with different perspectives to the table than you might bring yourself. So I think one of the big values to a community, any community, Bexley or elsewhere, in something like this is you're bringing those other perspectives to the table. When you're coming up with ideas, you're coming up with new school curriculum, you're coming up with new city services or new ways of directing city services, or even new programming at the library or how you're going to roll that out to serve the community. By bringing in those other voices, by making sure that everyone is being heard, we're going to make better decisions, more interesting decisions, and decisions that better serve the community that we're all a part of. And it's going to help us understand each other because there is always the the danger that you stay in your house, you run out to work, you run your kids out of school, you come back to your house, you eat dinner, you go to bed, you watch some TV, and you're just sort of in your own little enclave. But one of the th- I live in South Bexley, so full disclosure, and our houses are a little closer together in South Bexley, which means we see a lot of our neighbors, maybe a little more so than in some of the northern parts of Bexley where the houses are spread out a little bit more. And what that means is we have a lot more time to talk. We have a lot more time for community and making connections, and that's great because it helps expand our kids, that socio-emotional learning that we talk about all the time, that comes through other people. And it's not just for kids. You know, I'm an adult. I'm not going to say my age right now. But my learning process hasn't stopped, right? And encountering other people, sharing and learning from other people is part of what keeps that moving. And this is really just a scaled-up community version of that. Or at least that's how, how I see it. I don't know if that resonates with you or if you have a slightly different take on that. Yeah, for sure. When we know each other better, we are a greater community for it. And when you are doing that programming and you're taking everyone's needs into consideration, you're creating a better product for everybody. Absolutely. Period to the end. All right. Thank you, everyone, for joining. Just kidding. (laughs) There's definitely more to talk about. So like we said, speaking with Ben, this isn't something that started in a day. It's not something that's going to end in a day. So, Larry, in your mind, as you've heard about this and engaged with the process, how long do you see something like this project going? Well, it's something that's going to need to go on forever, I think, for, for one. But I think the quicker they can make some progress and get some programming out, the easier it's going to be to start buy, getting community members to buy into it, I think. Mm-hmm. I think you're completely right about that. Once people see what it looks like, because when it's just an idea, it's a little bit hard to conceptualize, to narrow down. You heard that big list of things I was uh, reciting at the beginning. So there's a lot of ideas right now. But when people see something and they're like, oh, okay, it's this thing. I like that thing. Or my kids like this thing. Or my neighbors and I are having discussions about it. Like, this is fascinating. Then people are going to have a much better feel for what this looks like moving forward. Right. If we continue, you know, if we're down the road a year and we still hear about this concept of one Bexley bringing (laughs) community together, people are going to start to tune out because they're like, yeah, well, I've I've been hearing about that for a year now and I haven't seen anything out of it. So I think one of the things that they need to consider is shorter term progress that they can demonstrate to the community the value of the program. Mm hmm. I think you're completely right about that, because as long as ideas stay ideas, then it just seems like, well, we're all talk and no action. And there has already been some action here, to be clear. I'm not accusing any of these groups of just talking, but that needs to continue. And how that continues is really going to dictate how people see this moving forward. 
Yeah, and, and the, the benefit for the Bexley community is that the Bexley community is very active. The summer programming yeah. for Bexley gives <laughs> this one Bexley idea plenty of vehicles to get the word out, to share information, to get action taken, whether it's at the one at the main events, whether it's at the cookouts or the street fairs or porch fest or whatever there's a hundred things happening this summer and always happening yep. around bexley so there's there's not going to be a lack of opportunity to reach the community So, Spencer, we've been talking about all the things that are happening in Bexley, and so I think we should maybe give our listeners some idea of the things that are coming up. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. And there's, like you mentioned before, there's so much coming up. So what's one of the things coming up that you're particularly interested in? And there's a ton to choose from, so I'm really curious to hear what you say. It won't come as much of a surprise, but I, <laughs> and I am biased. Uh, June is Pride Month, and mm. we are going to have our second annual Bexley Pride Walk, and it's happening on June 2nd. At 5.30, and we're stepping off from the Capitol University lawn. Uh, it's been organized by Girl Scout Troop 1512, which I think is amazing. Nice. These young people have just done an amazing job, and they do all of it. I've offered help a number of times, but they've got it. I went to their organiz organizing meeting the other week, and it was like they were just busy doing everything, prepping everything. So that's what I'm looking for. That's fantastic. Too. And is that for all ages? Like, who, who does that target most? It's for all ages. Everybody's welcome. It works out to be roughly almost a mile, I think, the walk is. Hmm. It's going to start from the Capitol University lawn and go down Main Street to the library, turn down Euclid, and then back Mount mound street to back to capital and they're going to have booths and i think they're raffling off some prizes to Ooh, fun. gather some fundraising to do some donation towards lgbtq causes so that's what i'm looking forward to how about you well that sounds great well that kind of dovetails into what i would say uh, as somebody with young children i'm constantly looking for things that are family-friendly events that i can bring everybody to and we're coming into the season because the weather is suddenly good again for the main event and jazz in the park. And the Pride Walk, you were saying, that's from the main event, from the first main event this season, right? So that's together at the same time, same place. Yeah, totally. It's happening at 530. I think main event starts officially at six, but it is in the same space. And I know that the main event this year for June 2nd, I should say, from six to 11 is going to be about Bexley's Got Talent. So I'm interested to hear what your talent is going to be. And then they're going to watch the movie Sing 2, which is always fun. Well, don't worry, Larry, I have no talent. Uh, so you will not have to be surprised what happens then. But there are a ton of super talented people in our community. So that'll be super interesting. Great family friendly event. If you haven't been to the main event, food trucks, stuff for kids, the movie, the talent show, the pride walk, make sure you come a little bit earlier since that starts at 530. Because normally they're kind of six to nine ish. But it's a lot of space, a lot of community space for the kids to run around. It's a great opportunity to get out, enjoy the weather, do something with your family and friends. And the first one, like we we're saying, is June 2nd. And then there's two more scheduled that are July 21st and August 29th. And in between those, there's Jazz in the Park. And if you haven't hit Jazz in the Park, it's kind of like a scaled down main event, but it's a little more music focused, hence the jazz. The first one actually just happened Memorial Day. 
So very cool. They have a bunch of food trucks. It's in Havenwood Park, which is in South Bexley, if you haven't been over there. It's a smaller space, and they, they pack it. <laughs> it's like going to a concert in some ways because so many people come out. They just fill the lawn there. They listen to the music. The kids run around, act crazy like they do, burn off some energy. So hopefully they sleep well that night. The next one is going to be in June 25th and then July 30th. Different groups each time, different food trucks. Always fun. Pop in, pop out. It's a 5.30 to 7 kind of thing. Because there's food trucks, you can eat dinner there. You can also bring a picnic dinner there if you don't want to wait in line. I've tried it both ways. Both are fun. Just depends uh, what you're in the mood for that day. But those are both great events. Main event and Jazz in the Park for families, people with kids, kids of all ages really, but particularly people with small kids. Uh, I think either of those events is a ton of fun. I strongly recommend. Yeah, totally. Jazz in the Park, one of my favorites. So, you know, uh, June also, Spencer, has Juneteenth celebration coming up. That's happening on June 19th. Yes, indeed. The traditional Juneteenth day. Yes. And that's going to be over behind Jeffrey Mansion, right, at the Jeffrey Shelter House. That's right. Uh, It's going to start around 6 p.m. It's celebrating freedom, food, and friendship. So we hope to see as many people there as possible. And there's going to be a grill out. There's going to be all kinds of food for you and the kids, kid-friendly food. But it's also going to be potluck style. Everyone's going to be bringing their own dish as well. Not required, but recommended. So you might get to try a few amazing things your neighbors make. I love potlucks. I know this is a controversial stance I'm going to take here, but I love to see what other people do. um, And I love to enjoy it by eating it. (laughs) Everyone likes to engage in different ways. Food is uh, one of my gateway drugs. So I will absolutely be there. Period. The end. Right. I will see you there, Spencer. So I know it's already opened. I know you have little ones. Do you all take advantage of the Bexley pool? Because it's now open. Excellent. Oh, we certainly will be. We definitely have a family membership, and the kids are so excited. And another thing that I really like, every Thursday down on Dawson, just north of Main Street, the Farmer's Market. Mm, Good reminder. Always find some good things there. Generally helps with dinner that night. Yeah, great for fresh fruit and vegetables. Great offerings. Looking at the calendar, just a couple of other things that are happening. June 4th, we have, actually, I'm sorry, June 3rd, we have the Porch Fest, which is a free neighbor-driven driven day celebrating music and community featuring musicians from a wide variety of genre. So that's nice. always fun. I had fun last year going because you got to see all sorts of different musical talent. Uh, The next day, June 4th, is the House and Garden Tour, benefiting the Bexley Women's Club. Um, It's a fundraiser for them to support their missions of scholarships, community, and social service, which is nice. And if you want to see how your neighbors are living, see how they uh, make their garden and what their houses look like, here's your opportunity. Yes, it's good for for the nosy neighbors. Well, (laughs) the the inquisitive neighbors. Inquisitive, thank you. I'm sorry. Inquiring minds want to know, Larry. I misspoke. And then uh, the last thing I have really is June 11th. Uh, I'm looking forward because I have two dogs. I don't know if you have dogs, Spencer, but the Bexley Natural Dog Park is having its grand opening. Oh, I didn't know we'd set a date for that. Oh, fantastic. Yes, it's uh, over there at Schneider Park, and I think it has a soft opening right now. You can go now and check it out, but they do have a grand opening for June 11th. So that's what's happening around Bexley. I encourage you all to get out and check something out and perhaps 
on our topic from earlier. You'll hear something about one Bexley in one of those events. Maybe we'll have some information out there. Somebody will have information out there. I'm hoping that's, <laughs> that'd be a great place to reach people. So Absolutely. And if you see Larry or I around, uh, stop and say hello. And if there's something you want to hear more about that's going on in Bexley, drop us a line and we'll see what we can do. Well, friends and neighbors, thank you for joining us for the inaugural episode of Unpacking Bexley. We hope that you find One Bexley interesting and find great ways to engage and find some of the other information helpful and engaging in the community as well. We look forward to having more conversations about interesting topics and issues and about Bexley, and we hope you'll come and join us for that. So please subscribe to the podcast. You can get it on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever your finest podcasts are available completely free of charge from your friends at Bexley DEI and all around the community. And a special thanks to the Bexley Public Library, who hosted us for a recording session for this first episode of Unpacking Bexley. Until then, we'll see you in the community.